<laughs> Do what? Alive all the be with you again and as we're going through Matthew with this study and I uh, am coming to a passage here that relates in context to what we've been talking about and discussing but it's, um, it's a very unique and special and interesting and challenging passage and it starts with Peter asking a question because Jesus has been talking about caring for his flock, we are a, a unity, we are a body of a community of believers, we are to come together with to care for one another, and, and he uh, shares with the church in how to uh, keep that care up, and that is by um, making sure that we uh, help others uh, and keep them from stumbling, and if they do stumble, to, uh, to deal with them in a loving, caring way. Because he's, uh, he emphasized that care with the 99 plus one sheep that he had talked about earlier. So uh, today we're going to be looking at the importance of forgiveness in the community of the forgiven. The importance of forgiveness in the community of the forgiven. And this is in Matthew chapter 18 beginning with verse 21 and reading through verse 35. Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we get started. Father, I just want to thank you for this day. I thank you for these that are listening. Uh, and I thank you for your wonderful love and grace. And now I just ask that you open our ears and our, uh, to our heart that we might hear, eyes to our heart that we might see, and Lord, that we might understand um, what you are saying, what you uh, want us to hear, and I pray that we will take it to heart and allow the Holy Spirit to uh, touch us in a very special way and apply it to our lives as needed. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The theme on forgiveness, it has been talked about uh, by Jesus already. But uh, just like any other progressive uh, thought and teaching, it demands uh, being repeated again. Repetition is good. And, and uh, Jesus is repeating it, adding to it with added revelation. So uh, this is uh, a situation uh, that we encounter with Peter. Jesus is adding to what he has already taught. And Peter comes forth to erect something that Jesus had already said and uh, have, uh, has expounded on. Uh, and is expounding on further. And so uh, the disciples are struggling with some things that, that Jesus had been teaching and the issue of Christian discipline that he just spoke about only added to the need for clarification on the issue of forgiveness. 
So beginning in verse 21, and, and we're not going to be able to look at the parable part of it this Sunday, but we will next Sunday. Uh, but beginning in verse 21, we read, Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Now all this is important. The question is important. And the number is important. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. And then he goes into the parable. For this reason the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had, and repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, and saying, Have patience with me, I will pay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe. So this fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. But he was unwilling and went to throw him in prison until he should pay back what he had owed. So when his fellow slave saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported it to their Lord, all that had happened. Then summoning him, the Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have mercy on your fellow slave that in the same way that I have mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from his heart. Now, as we look at this, some parables, I'm going to just go ahead and mention this now. Some parables are considered stories told as comedies. A comedy would be like a person being caught in an impossible situation that he uh, couldn't get out of or... Uh, so it seems that he can't get out of it. But just like a bolt of lightning appears out of the blue, all of a sudden the solution for deliverance appears. And then there are other tra uh, parables. They're considered tragedies. And there's different classifications that fall into these two main uh, classes. And this is when a person starts out with everything, and though through, uh, some, uh, through some events he uh carries out this foolish action and he loses everything and so uh, uh you know we look at that and we say what a foolish thing to do and this is a, a story of a person who has experienced the grace of god but goes into the world and is unable to share the same grace with the people he or she meets this is the parable that falls into uh, this classification and as always, the context is the key to understanding the passage, the story 
or the parable that's being told. So the story that Jesus tells is triggered by the question that Peter asked in verse 21. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. And Jesus used this story to to, uh, drive home the importance of forgiving those who have hurt us. And what are the limits of forgiveness? That's the big question. How many times are we to forgive somebody? And here we have a parable about a man who was given much and who, uh, you know, who refuses to forgive little. And so he was forgiven much and he he uh, he refused to uh, forgive little. And it's fascinating in its narrative form. This parable draws us deep into the human condition. It gets right to the heart of our humanity. It's like hitting the heart with an arrow the first shot. You got, you know, you, you, you got it right into the heart the first shot. And it's letting us know that our uh, propensity, our tendency, is to forget what grace looks like when we're called to be a people of grace. People that are marked by grace. Peter seems to be the spokesperson for the group of the disciples. And he's the one who usually articulates a question for the group. And so he comes forward with this question. You always have these type of people, it seems like, that step out in front and uh, in classes or whatever it might be and and, you know, they ask the question for others who are afraid to, uh, to ask it. Uh, we see it uh, often in groups. And so uh, Peter was that designated question asker. And he was not the only one wanting the answer, though. He was speaking on behalf of the others. Evidently, they'd been together. They'd heard all these teachings. And they were running teachings of Jesus, and they were running these through their mind, and they were probably asking questions to one another. And he, but he was the one who, uh, they said, you, you asked Jesus this question, you know, that was chosen to, um, uh, to have that, that uh, opportunity to ask, but also that uh, opportunity led to the chance of being reproved or rebuked or made to look foolish. Uh, which he was made to look at times. And, and so um, in this uh, case, though, this was not a stupid question. Uh, you know, we don't know how much the other disciples were asking and if they put him up to it or whatever, probably so, but they, it probably was being discussed. And it was a very important question. How often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? up to seven times. As mentioned earlier, context is so important. It is the key to understanding the passage. We looked at it with discipleship. You know, we so often say, where any two or three are gathered together in my name, there I'll be in their midst. Well, we know that if one is praying in the Spirit of the Lord, he's in their midst. And so, 
uh, what is he talking about here? Well, he was talking about discipleship and going to reprove your brother in the Lord to try and bring them back uh, into fellowship and having that brother, that witness with him. So uh, context is very important. And uh, we see that it's a key to understanding this passage just like any other passage. And the use of the phrase brother indicates a relationship. Now that's important here. In other words, this is not a hypothetical question, as if we're outside the arena of grace. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, this is not a question that is hypothetical involving a universal principle where everyone should understand. This is something that brothers and sisters in Christ especially should understand. He's speaking to the church, to believers. This is a question from inside the kingdom with a kingdom perspective. People outside the church, outside the kingdom, they don't understand this a lot of times. They think, hey, man, I, I forgave them once. That's enough. They, they don't understand this principle. But we as a church, we should understand it because we have the Holy Spirit speaking to us and teaching us. And so just like so many other things in the Word of God that seems in opposition to the way the world operates in certain circumstances and situations, and they don't understand why we need to operate that way, it's because we have the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and the Holy Spirit reveals this to us and teaches it to us. So how many times should my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Peter's question reveals to us our humanity, as I mentioned earlier. You know, we are big scorekeepers, aren't we? We like to keep score. I know how to count. You know how to count. In our fallenness, often we think that we... Uh, we count the things that we should forget and forget the things that we should be remembering, should be counting. Remember the old gospel song, count your many blessings, name them one by one. Unfortunately, we many times forget our blessings, but we are quick to remember our offenses. We know that. We all, that's our old nature. This is why I mentioned earlier it, it indicates a, 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 you know, our fallenness, our depravity. We keep count. And Jesus is teaching Peter about man's nature. Jesus knows that we are people who operate with calculators in one hand and pen and paper in the other. We add it up and we put them down. We are people who like to keep ledgers, pushing buttons, saying, okay, I have done what I was supposed to do. I have it on paper. I'm finished. We're just people like that. We're geared towards that. Example, a, a preacher and his wife who had seven children, and they were playing in the yard in the neighborhood, and 
they, uh, they would venture out in the road, uh, just like a lot of kids do in the neighborhood. But uh, as the neighborhood increased with houses, more traffic was coming through. And so uh, the preacher, uh, you know, had a, a discussion with the children. He was afraid for them playing out in the yard. And so he said, it's not safe for you playing out the yard, so don't play out in the yard. So, I mean, don't play in the road, excuse me. <laughs> and so uh, they... Uh, the next thing he knew, he was looking out the window from his study, and what did he see? He saw the children playing in the road. And so um, as they were playing in the road, he went out there and gathered them in once again, and he said, no more playing in the road. It's dangerous. I'm going to draw this line. And he took some chalk, and uh, as he drew it on the sidewalk, he said, you don't get uh, beyond that, that line. Don't go out in the road. And so I don't want to see you out in the road again or you will be disciplined. And so uh, he went back into his study and his wife came in there in a few minutes and she said, I want you to see something. And so he looked out the window and there were all the children, all seven of them, right at the, on the sidewalk, right at that line, as close to the road as they could get but not beyond the line. That's a, a story that shows us how we are in our fallen humanity. And that is our nature. And we will always push the limits. I believe that uh, uh, there was a group that had a song uh, to that effect uh, back in the uh, 70s, the Eagles. Uh, we're always looking to see how far we can go. And this was involved with Peter's question. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him up to seven times? And this is a progression from the Old Testament teaching. You, you know, you might ask, where would Peter gain this insight that he, had, uh, he is to forgive his brother? Where would Peter have heard this? Well, uh, he, you know, he had heard the command, of course, from uh, the Lord to forgive, but why would Peter ask a question knowing its command? Because, uh, you know, in the Old Testament, it wasn't clearly a command in the sense of you're to forgive your brother. It's a teaching there, but up to uh, what amount or whatever. And so Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, when he was teaching his disciples how to pray, he said, forgive us our debts. And that's a clear teaching in, in the Old Testament. You know, asking and the new, uh, as, we, uh, as the New Testament developed and, and was brought about, we see that, that we're to ask God for forgiveness because when we sin, we break fellowship with God. And so we're to get that cleansing. So there's no problem there, uh, forgiving our debts. Uh, and so Jesus, on the, he says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgiving our debts as I said, meant uh, forgiving our sins or our trespasses. And that part of it was easy to understand and uh, to ask for, uh, at least for a believer, or it should be. And we as sinners, you know, we may be saved, but we're saved sinners. And, and we still know that we live in this old uh, body, this old flesh, and so we continue to sin, unfortunately. This is why John in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 said, If we confess our sins, God is faithful to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us 
from all unrighteousness. So we as believers should understand that we are sinners who have fallen short of God's glory, as Paul tells us. We are in need of forgiveness. So this part should be exceedingly clear to all believers. And I think it was pretty clear to Peter. But there was part of it that he, he was having trouble with. And saints of old knew what it meant to sin. I mean, the whole sacrificial system was developed for sinners to not sin, to recognize their sin when they sinned and to seek God's forgiveness, to understand the uh, uh, you know, awfulness of sin and the cost of forgiveness. God's people understood their helplessness and their need for God's mercy and his grace. So Peter and the other disciples knew and understood what was involved in the first step of the phase in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts, but this second part, that's what brought Peter to this question. It, it, it just, you know, it put some uh, doubts in his mind. It put some questions in his mind. It put some uh, things there that he just couldn't uh, reconcile. And, and so uh, he said, you know, it says, and forgive us our debtors in that uh, prayer. Not only forget, forgive us our debts, but our debtors. And this concept is found in the theological teachings, as I mentioned, of old, but not specifically, okay, up you're to forgive your brothers and up to this amount. And so Peter, being human, <clears throat> he had heard what some of the Pharisees were teaching. I mean, you know, uh, and that was, uh, it was pretty good. You, you were a pretty good person if you forgave a person up to three times at least three times. So he knew uh, what they had been teaching. And he, in his fallen humanity, was a person who kept score. So you know Peter's personality, with him sticking his foot in his mouth often, being very outspoken. Uh, he probably, uh, you know, set some people off, and there probably had, uh, were some people who, uh, you know, he had offended and uh, and and maybe they had offended him and so uh peter had been thinking about this and he didn't um, uh you know he didn't just ask the lord the question he had a hypothetical number there for a reason and where did he come up with that number well in the bible we know that the number 7 is of perfection as we call it generally but specifically, it's of a perfect set. If you go to the Old Testament, what do I mean by perfect set? Well, weeks. What did the Lord do? Uh, days of the weeks. Uh, the Lord created the earth in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. It was a perfect set, wasn't it? And so we're reminded of this every single week or we should be the seven days are embedded into a week a week seems to be uh, the artifact or an artifact of God's created purpose seven takes on a very highly symbolic number especially uh, to the sign of creation so Peter had the number seven on his mind uh, for it played an important role in Jewish tradition and when Peter asked up to seven times he thought 
he had articulated the upper limit there, up to seven times. I mean, the Pharisees even just went up to three, a lot of them. And so, in other words, he was saying, Lord, when we uh, think to forgive our debtors, should we really expect to forgive them up to seven times? That's pretty good, isn't it? And Peter didn't ask this question intending to look foolish. Matthew, matter of fact, within this context, allowed us to see that Peter, you know, he thought Peter was being very generous here with his question. So Peter thought that Jesus would think that he was uh, very forgiving to offer forgiveness up to seven times. And Peter, uh, you know, thought that Jesus would think that, uh, you know, he had gone over the top, so to speak, uh, mentioning seven times. But Jesus' response is very important here. It's very interesting. He said to Peter, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Jesus is telling Peter, I don't say to you, Peter, seven times. But if you're looking for a number, how about 70 times seven? In other words, it's really not the number 490 that's important here. It's, that's not the point. The point is more Peter, is, you can't count how many times. You can't hold a ledger to how many times you're to forgive a person. You're, you're defeating the whole purpose if you're writing down, okay, I forgave him that time, I forgave him this time, I forgave him that time. No. And Peter, forgiveness is beyond any number. Why did Peter come up with seven and Jesus 70 times seven? Well, why the contrast? We go to the Old Testament. You remember the story in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 24? If Cain is avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventy-sevenfold. Here it is in the statement of forgiveness, but revenge. And it's not about the number once again. It's about the emphasis, which is, if Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77-fold, infinitely more, in other words. In Genesis, God speaks of his mercy by, by saying he will bring vengeance on the slayer of Cain sevenfold. In other words, it was wrong. What Cain did was wrong, but vengeance is God's. And it was wrong for anyone to take vengeance on him. So Lamech in his pride and rebellion boasted by saying, I don't need God. Let someone try and kill me and I will magnify vengeance on anyone who attacks me. It is an inflation of numbers for an effect. Peter wanted a number. Jesus said, I'm not... Jesus basically is saying, I'm, I'm not really going to give you a number that you can count on. I will tell you that it is more than you can count. It is infinitely more. That idiomatic expression is important for the parable that follows, and this is so very important. Jesus tells Peter that he, is, he isn't going to give him a number, really. 
He just threw out that number to show him that, hey, you might as well forget about it, Peter, if you're going to keep a ledger. Numbers don't fit the question. If you understand what you asked, you would understand it is a nonsensical question. Forgiveness doesn't count. Forgiveness doesn't have a number. Grace and mercy are infinite. And forgiveness is in that grace and mercy. If I give you a number, and this is so very important, if Jesus had given Peter a number really that he could count on, like seven or you did good, Peter, or, or three would be okay, it would contradict the mission that he had come to achieve, which was forgiveness. Man, think about it. Jesus would say, hey, I'm going beyond the realm with my grace and mercy. There's not a person out there that has offended me so many times and has sinned against me so many times that my grace and mercy will not reach out to them. Peter, this would defeat my cause, my mission. So Jesus' reply was something like, Peter, as long as you live, you're going to be offending people. And they're going to be offending you. Therefore, you'll always need to forgive. Jesus illustrates with the parable that follows. And this is why it's so very important. Tune in next week. Peter is keeping count, basically, here. And Jesus refuses to play that game of keeping count. You, that's not forgiveness, Peter. Jesus instead gives him a parable. And Jesus doesn't introduce a parable like he has at other times. He, here Jesus goes right into it, starts talking about it. And this is a comparison parable within that tragedy uh, classification. This is where one thing is held up to, to be a metaphor for another. And in this case, the uh, kingdom of God is compared to a king's wise um, you know, settlement uh, or settling account with his uh, uh, slaves. And the kingdom of heaven is being compared to a king who is settling a, a, uh, an account. And may we say that the kingdom of God is not about cheap grace. It's not about an indulgent king who isn't concerned about sin. You miss the point if that's what you see from it. Him forgiving him and not uh, uh, accounting him to, uh, to pay for anything. No, uh, at first when he does that, no, that's not it. The kingdom of God is not about a God who does not punish sinners either. We'll see that at the end of the par uh, parable. The kingdom of God is not about God not demonstrating judgment. You see, the kingdom of God is, is about a graceful and merciful God who is just and will call for a settling of accounts. How many times are we to forgive? It's difficult, but we shouldn't hold a number. We should continually forgive. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't hold, him, hold us to a number? That he forgave us in his grace and in his mercy.
Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you for your love and your grace. Thank you for your understanding. Thank you for loving us when we are not lovable. Thank you for caring for us when we push you away. Thank you for always being there. Thank you for reaching out to us. Thank you for giving us an example to, to live by as Christ has given us that example, but yet not only given us the example, but you've given us your spirit to help us to live that way. Help us always be that kind of church, those kind of believers. Help us to be forgiving. Lord, that doesn't mean that we realize it or push away any kind of uh, judgment or any kind of consequences with what is done wrong. No. It means that we just continually are reminded of how forgiving and graceful you are. And it helps us to be that way with others when we don't feel like it and we don't care to. Knowing that one day it's not us that is going to get revenge or it's not us that's going to bring about the judgment. It's going to be them and their actions that has brought about this without confessing it, without surrendering it, without asking you to take control of it and forgiving them. God, it's going to be you who takes care of all of this because you're a just God, a loving God, a caring God who understands how to balance all of that out. In Jesus' name, amen.